With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. How you living? How you feeling? How you doing? It is the L-E-F-K-O-E. Man, I am quarantined in New York City. And in what looks to be a palatial estate surrounded by wine and firewood is a four-time Pro Bowler, a two-time All-Pro, and a true, true stalwart at the left tackle position. Andrew, beautiful bald head Whitworth. I'm coming with you a lot of energy this morning. How you feeling? I love it, Adam. Bringing it, up, bringing it in today. I like it. That accent is where I want to start because I think one of my favorite things about you is that you went to LSU. And I think there's something about left tackles down there in Death Valley. Where, where are you from originally, man? Where'd you grow up? Uh, North Louisiana. So Monroe, Louisiana is where I grew up, uh, you know, and then went down to Baton Rouge, obviously. You put the tiger on your helmet. Can, can you give me one story of what it's like in peak SEC LSU football from your time there? Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you get a little used to uh, the crowds and all the people and the energy, that's for sure. Because when you're down there in SEC country, the energy, the passion, uh, it's really, it's unbelievable. When people ask me about this Corona stuff, they say, is SEC football going to happen? I'm like, look, I don't think these people can function if it doesn't. Mm. I mean, they love their ball. So it, it's one of those things where, you know, you're, you're usual with showing up at Ole Miss or Alabama or Georgia and there's, you know, 10 people mooning you, you know, grandma's flipping you off. You know, it's just, uh, you know, that, that was just kind of the custom down there when you showed up. It's like, how many people are we going to see flip us off, moon us, throw stuff at the bus? I mean, it's, uh, it's an interesting environment down there for sure. I know you graduate. You were in the 2006 NFL draft. People don't remember that was Mario Williams, Reggie Bush draft. Did you have any college matchups with anybody that you also faced in the NFL, like really upper level ones that you remember? I would say uh, really not in that draft class as much. You know, David Pollock and I obviously played each other a lot. He was a tremendous college football player. Um, you know, Demarcus Ware and I, you know, we, we, we oh. was at LSU a couple times. Demarcus and I have been friends forever. Uh, I can still remember him there. And, you know, the whole story, he, a lot of people don't realize he, he was a wide receiver when he showed up at Troy and moved to defensive end and has become obviously a legend. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's different guys throughout your career you've played that uh, were really special. And, um, you know what, Demarcus is definitely up there. The story of LSU, it, it, it's a little bit like Clemson, where it went through that down period where it's like it couldn't happen if, unless Saban was there. For you to see what LSU has become, and for a guy like Joe Burrow, oddly enough, to get drafted number one overall by your former team, but to see what they did, I didn't play college football. I went to Syracuse. We didn't really have a college football program that was that big. Man, how much shit were you talking in the Rams locker room when LSU has been on this tear recently? Uh, it's great. I think I still have the national championship box, you know, post up my locker just to make sure every guy is a reminder every morning they come in. But, you know, it's it's one of those things you enjoy it. You know, it's as a veteran, it's played as long as I have in the NFL. You you kind of start to get away from the college atmosphere as much and paying attention as much as, you know, across the, the whole, you know, landscape of everything. But you pay attention to your school. 
And so when they're playing well, you're going to make sure every guy in the locker room knows about it. And um, it was a great opportunity for us last year. What a tremendous football team. Uh, those guys are really special. And, and I tell you what, they're going to go down as one of the best of all time. Mm. That's for sure. Is this going to be year 15 for you? This is year 15. Wow. You have seen some shit. Uh, have you ever seen what we might be going through this year? Like how different is this year than the last 14 of your career? It's, it's unreal. It really is. I mean, every day it's, it's a constant reminder. Obviously it's right now we're still in the middle of, you know, testing every single day we go in. So it's kind of a testing procedure every day, not just football, but going in, getting COVID tested, thinking about that, getting your results every night. Um, it's still a very different landscape for us, but you know what, it's been, it's been special too, because you're getting to see just how much work, how much energy and, and just passion there is in this game, because watching the stuff that has to be done on a daily basis by our staff, by people in the organization, just to make days happen is so rare. And uh, it makes you really appreciate how much the people around you help put this game on and how many people go into getting this game moving forward. How lucky do you think you are to have somebody as detail oriented as your head coach as McVeigh during something like this? Well, I think it's really special. You look at us, it, we haven't really played in the preseason the last few years. We've kind of always had a detailed schedule of how we did training camp with that. You know, like a lot of people think, oh, well, that means you guys don't do as much as other teams. It's just not true. Really, the mm -hmm. way we kind of scheduled our training camps is that we would almost have a intense scrimmage for most of the starters the day before most preseason games or two days before. And then the other guys would play in the preseason game. And that way he kind of kept us on a schedule where really – if you look at what starters do in preseason games, we're actually getting 40, 50 snaps against each other rather than just going and playing in a preseason game and playing a series and getting out and moving on. We kind of just ignored the facts that we were playing in games and just had our own scrimmages, our own weeks every week in training camp. And so this year, without there being preseason games, really nothing's changed from us from a get ready standpoint. It's the same kind of get ready we've always had. And we have the same trajectory of what we're doing and how we're practicing. I didn't even put that together that I forgot since he's gotten there, none of the starters have really played in the preseason. So if anyone's more prepared, it's you guys in terms of how to attack the practice schedule. My, my fear, man, is like bottom of the 53 guys that need those preseason games to shine as someone that's like go, that's such a veteran in the league. How do you talk to these rookies right now or undrafted free agents? Because it's no longer, you're going to get a chance when the lights go on to make that big special teams tackle. How, how do they adjust their brains? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really continuing to challenge them to realize that all these little ops they're going to get in practice, the little ops in these scrimmages we're having, I mean, they've got to take advantage of them. They, they've got to know what to do and how to do it and go give a full speed rep because this may be the only rep they get until September 13th and it's, it's live action. So uh, you know, that's the biggest challenge to me. You look at these young guys, the young young players in the league, even your year two guys. It's just, it's like, hey, all this development time, snap after snap is what makes you a better football player, what makes you understand the game better, all those things. And so any snap you're missing and not getting live action, you know, is a detriment. And so I, for those guys, it's like, you know, take your ops and you better take advantage of every chance you got. And and uh, I think for these young guys, that's going to be a challenge they're going to be facing in the next couple of years just because you're, you're missing a lot of snaps mm. and a lot of experience during this time. I love your division so much because I think every single game is going to be must-watch TV this year. Like two years ago, the NFC West, everyone's like, oh, man, there's nothing there. And now I'm like every team is stacked. 
What is it going to be like to hear the snap count in Seattle? Has that ever happened before? I don't think so. And, and I, I, I'm not even going to guess that it's going to happen. I, there's no way I'm going to be able to hear when I go to Seattle. I just I assume that I might as well put in earplugs when the plane lands and just take them out when we land back in L.A. every time we go there. So my assumption is going to be somehow, some way, I'm not going to be able to hear. I don't it, know what it's going to be, but somehow. So even if there's no fans, you still think it's going to be too loud in Seattle? Something's going to happen. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to be able to pipe music or noise or I don't know. They'll they'll find a way to find the 12th man up there again. I mean, there's there's just uh, that place is so special and such a great environment to play football. But you're right, our division is going to be a heck of a challenge, man. It's going to be intense every time one of those games is going. And I can remember just not that long ago being in Cincinnati watching, I think it was Seattle San Fran play for like, who's going to finish seven and eight or something Mm -hmm. and like win the division, you know, like seven, eight and one or something and like win the division. And I was like- Sam Bradford year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, what a terrible division. And now here we are and it's like, man, everybody's competitive. And I'm really interested to see how well they do this season. Last year, if I were to pick one pass rusher from each of those teams, Chandler Jones, Joey Bosa, and Jadavian Clowney, I mean, you had your hands full six times a year with those teams. Can we go through those guys? Like, I think Chandler Jones is one of, if not the most underrated pass rusher in the NFL, and I'm just curious what it's like to go up against him two times a year. I mean, he's tremendous. You know, he's a guy that has a uh, a plan for every rush. You can tell he mixes and matches his rushes, and he and he knows who he's playing really well. You know, there'll be certain guys that you see a, a move or an attack he uses, and then certain guys he doesn't. And I think maybe some of that probably comes from a little bit of the background of their family. I mean, and the fact of his brother being an, uh, you know, a UFC fighter, and they're kind of having an attack plan when they do those kind of things, mm. and he uses a lot of that type stuff. You know, it's like you can tell that he really has a plan for each guy he plays and how he's going to attack. What do you them. think his plan is for you? What does he do? Well, the, the one thing that, that plays out in my favor is that really where Chandler is, is an advantageous guy against most people is his length. And so for me, being a really long player myself and having a lot of length and that being my advantage, um, that's why I've been able to have some success against him because it's that – you know, really, we're, we're length versus length. Our, our line coach always jokes. It's like the long arm contest. I was going to say, that's like 36-inch arms and 35-inch uh, yeah. arms. We, we've paused the film a couple times, and I think you could, like, fit a small car in between <laughs> us when we're, like, extended out on each other. But it's uh, it's one of those things playing him, man. I mean, what a tremendous football player. The sacks he's been able to, you know, just every single year. I mean, right? Consistency is the greatest measure of performance over time right that consistent play and mm. he just every single year he's doing damage and racking up sacks and those fumble, you know he's using that big long right arm and you know swatting the ball out of quarterback's hands out of nowhere and, uh, he's a tremendous rusher the other side of that that's consistent greatness now we have oh shit what are we working with here to me that's joey that's nick bosa nick, nick yeah, bosa nick. i got my brothers confused no no did you see enough out of Nick Bosa in year one to go, he's going to be a problem for a long time? Yeah, I mean, I, I had a conversation with him after the last time we played him, our second matchup with him there in their place, and him and I were just talking about it. He was he was asking me if I'd hurry up and retire and get out of the division, and then, uh, you know, I'm at, you know telling him about, man, you're, you're going to be real special. You know, he, he has a rare trait that, that really one of the few other guys like right now playing, I think, that – you know, I get to see all the time in Aaron Donald is that he's always rushing towards the quarterback. Like there's no 
you know, like, uh, you know, kind of go around you or come up with a move. It's like they're every move they make, everything they're doing, they're always moving in the direction of the quarterback. Like it's like no matter even if you're blocking them, they're still like pushing you towards the quarterback. There's just uh, something about their body, how they're made, their power, their strength and explosion, just the speed and the way they know how to get your hands on and off of them enough to just kind of always be on the edge of them that they're just always in that progression towards the quarterback. And I think that uh, he's going to be a rare one for some time to come. That's so funny that you say AD because I remember when Donald and Bosa were both drafted, one of the knocks against them was they're both so advanced in hand movements, how much more improvement can they do? And then you tell me it's like they literally can do all of the combos at such a young age. And then when you combine it with those like, first few years of like brute i don't give a shit strength it's crazy yeah it really is he's uh he's gonna be a rare breed man he's he's really special ad we see the pictures with him with the shirt off and the six pack and i hear people go defensive tackles don't look like that he gets sacks during games but like is there anything that you guys are seeing behind there that impresses you that we haven't even seen yet just about the caliber of athlete or player that he is well, I think the same thing you hear about a lot of really special elite performers is that, you know, it's not just Sundays that you see that kind of thing with him. It's it's every single day in practice, you know, when, when our guys are double teaming him and they're sliding to him and it's like he's still finding ways to beat double teams and going between two guys. And you're like, how can one guy get through these two guys? Slides? But he found a way. I mean, he just he's so crafty. He's so strong that it's just insane watching him in the weight room just. I mean, it'll make you want to go sit in a corner, you know, and, and uh, just, you know, quit football forever. Uh, you know, it's just unbelievable. How what's powerful. the gap? Like, what is it? Is it him doing a clean? Like, what's the thing that he does that the whole Rams team is like, I want to watch this guy? Uh, I mean, really anything. He does anything in the weight room with just such ease that it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, whereas you're like your you're big, strong, heavy D tackle who may weigh 60 pounds more than him, you know, is over there like, you know, bench pressing 330 for five reps or 350 for five reps. You're like, wow, that's a really strong guy. And AD's over there with like 420, just like it's just clinging the weights for five. And you're like, dude, that makes absolutely no sense. You oh. know what I mean? And he's so like, power. he's so humble and like quiet and cool. Like so many defensive linemen that do some of the things that he did when I think about are like, they're loud and they're in your face. And I don't get any of that energy from Aaron Donald. No, he's he's an assassin. I mean, he's uh, he's stone cold, dead serious. Uh, he's not there to do anything other than to just destroy you. I mean, you know that you look at a lot of great rushers or a lot of great players. To me, you know, you can go statistics and say, hey, all right, well, they're really good at producing stats, and and they were like, man, that guy that always got a sack a game, you know, or or they always found a way to win once. AD doesn't take that approach. I think a lot of those guys I can think of, like, it's like, man, if they got that one sack, they kind of like, you know, the rest of the game they're playing, but they're really just looking for those ops. AD takes the approach from snap one to snap 80. He's trying to destroy you. Mm. He, and if that results in sacks, if that results in, you know, tackles, you know, tackles for loss, fumbles, whatever it is, he doesn't care. He is literally trying to destroy you from snap one to the end. And, and uh, it's unbelievable to watch him play. 
if he's doing that in practice, I can only imagine it's going to help you guys for the regular season. And I know you had a bunch of injuries on the interior O-line last year and some changes because I know Saffold went to the Titans and what you guys had there was road grade, man. That was awesome. How what, what can we expect from the unit this year? Because I know there's more consistency than last year. Last year, I think you had two new guys started. What, what can we expect from that unit? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty crazy last year. It got, it got a little wild. You know, I think we had one game, maybe it was the Bears game, where we had all four guys besides myself were starting at a position for the very first time in the NFL. It's like you don't see stuff like that happen in, in offensive line play. So, um, yeah, it was. It, we were extremely young and, and uh, very little experience. But I tell you what, um, those guys played throughout that year. As the year went on, they got better and better that last half of the season. And, and coming into camp now this year, having – eight, nine guys that all got to play and all got experience, got their mm. feet wet. They're all still really young, but they got some experience. And so I think you see that progression right now. You see like little things that just young linemen as they grow up get better at just not making the little dumb mistakes or like making little things where you're like, all right, you know you can't you know block a guy like that. So those kind of things have improved. And so you see those guys taking those steps. And I think that's what's exciting is it's a really young group matched with like a senior citizen like myself and and uh, we'll see where it goes listen man it the value that you provide not just of being a franchise left tackle but also like another kind of coach out there is insane because roster numbers are down you know like when there's not as much time like the fact that you get to be there you're you got to be providing so much wisdom that only can accelerate these young dudes it has to Oh, I mean, it's fun. It's fun to invest in them and, and see them take those steps, you know, and for, for me in my career, I mean, being a captain is, as long as I've had the opportunity in Cincinnati and, and here in L.A. And, and kind of being a guy that guys could lean on on and off the football field. It's, it's like watching them become men almost because a lot of people forget. I mean, a lot of these guys come in the league, they're 21 and they're fresh out of college. And in college, guess what? Like nowadays these schools they literally they don't even brush their own teeth i don't think when they're no. there i mean you know it's like somebody's brushing their teeth at these schools you see these facilities these college kids are getting to use it's like man this guy doesn't even put his blanket on himself i mean they, you know these machines lay a blanket and a pillow down for them it's it's unbelievable so it's just helping these guys like become men and, and little things that come up in life and football and everything else to me that's so much fun just get to invest in their lives. You know, I got all my buddies back home that kill me, but, you know, still playing. They're like, look, man, our 20 year high school reunions coming up this month and you're still playing football. We give it up at the game, you know, that kind of deal. It's like, uh, it's one of those things that kind of hits home when I hear that kind of stuff, but it's fun investing in these young guys and realizing that some of them were born in the, in the same decade. I started going to high school kind of get scary. I like, I would say to them, screw you. I still got it. Like, <laughs> to me, that's what's so funny is is you must have to talk about your age so much. You're 30, what, seven, eight? 38. Uh, I was just – so I do NBA on TNT. I was doing it on Tuesdays, and it was me, Wade, Shaq, and Vince Carter at the end. And I'm in the green room with Vince, and he starts laughing because Jamal Crawford's on TV, and he goes, I'm so happy that I don't get to be called the oldest guy in the NBA anymore. He's like – He's like, in the beginning, you're like, man, this is a really cool honor. And then after a while, you're like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Are you at that point? Yeah, it, it, it gets a little old, that's for sure. I mean, it's constant old jokes and, you know, those kind of things. And you are like, at first, you're like, yeah, it's, it's really cool that, that you've been able to last that long, that you can still get out there and do it at that level. 
uh, you know, there's such a great respect factor. And in most instances, it's, it always is respect they're giving yeah, you. Yeah. you know, it's, it's, their, it's their hard way of giving you respect. But it's still at some point you're like, all right, like, you know, I, I can get my own chair or I can like, you know, you, you don't have to act like I can't function. You know, like I, I'm still playing NFL football, so I, I can handle a couple things on my I, own. I think that you're setting uh, an incredible, like, I would almost think that if I was playing on your team, I'd be like, if Andrew Whitworth can do it, I can do it too. But when you look at like the history of the NFL and players that have lasted as long as you, it is not a long list. And so in, in a league where we always talk about injury and availability, uh, I understand that they're jokes, but really it should be an awe because it really is incredible. And I think everybody wants to do what they want to do for a long time. I think a lot of it's jealousy, if I was going to be honest, or or yeah, envy. You know, it, 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 yeah, it's it's funny. I, it's funny you bring this up. I, like, so I was doing an interview the other day on Zoom with all our local reporters, and we had a funny moment where one of the guys asked me a question. He's like, "Hey, he's like, how much do you lean on a lot of like you know the the older guys, tackles across the NFL that played at your age, and all those guys? Like, do you call all those guys and get some info on how to keep playing? Who else that? is there?" And I kind of responded. I go, "Look." You know, I'm typically a humble guy. And I'm going to say this in the most humble way I can say it. They're not out there. You know, I was like, I don't, I, don't, I was like, I, I'm, you know, I'm trying to be respectful, but I, I kind of play longer than all those guys. So I, there's not a lot that, that I can call them and ask them to do. So I mean that in a really nice way, but, you know, I don't have an answer to that question. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't call any of those guys and ask them how to. I mean, who, who are you calling up? Like Anthony Munoz? Like, well, I think he was 33 or 34. So, yeah, that, that's what we got. He, he got to actually, I think he wrote an article about it and wrote, went on the list. And I think it was like most of those guys, it was 33, 34, a couple 35. You know, but there's what about not Ogden? Ogden, I think, was 35 or 34 wow. when he retired. Yeah. Now, those guys, a lot of those guys, kind of like Tyron Smith, got in the league really young. They were like 19 or 20 or something yeah. like that when they got in. Um, so like Willie Anderson, I know played till 33, but he got in the league at like 19 or 20. Right, right, right. You know, he was really Willie young. Anderson, what a Bengals legend he was every fucking year, man. Legend, you know, teams two and 14 and he's just locking people down and destroying folks out there. You experienced that shit. I did. It's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a journey. That's, for that's sure. why, you know, that's, that's why we can say it's year 15. It. You know, at least Willie's team, like they were just bad you know like him and i've had this conversation like his teams are just bad so it's like hey we knew we were gonna be bad i had like the worst thing it's like one year we're 10 and 6 and like oh man these guys are on the rise and the next year we're 3 and 13 and win our third game like week 16 you know it's like and then the next year you're good and then you're bad and then you're good so it was like constant tug of war there for a while there to just figure out how we were going to get over the hump it it has to give you like I always feel bad sometimes when there's a rookie on a Super Bowl team because they have those unrealistic expectations that this can happen every year. And then there are guys that kind of go through what you go through where you value those successful years so much more that I'm wondering, like, how much did those some of those down Bengals year make you appreciate, like, even year two of going to the Super Bowl with the Rams now? Like, the perspective must have been wild. Oh, it is. It really is. I mean, you think about it. It's it's unbelievable how we things kind of out of line in the league, right? It's like you look at a run in Cincy there for five straight years going to the playoffs. Like 
How many teams actually do that? Mm. Go five years in a row, win 10 plus games a year, win multiple division championships. It's like, that doesn't happen that often in streets like that. You're still winning a lot of football games. So it really puts things in perspective for you that, hey, be careful that the narrative is you're not winning a playoff game. Mm. Well, great. There's a lot of teams that can't figure out how to win a regular season game. Mm. And somehow, you know, they don't get talked about. But the truth is that's much worse, right? So you got to be able to put things in perspective of, of what's going on and and the kind of football you're playing. I mean, we played a lot of good football there for, for quite a while and just couldn't figure out how to take that next step. But there's still a lot that you're accomplished, a lot you're proud of, a lot of wins you went through. And then having the opportunity to go and make it and go Super Bowl and what a tremendous op that was. I mean, for me, it's been great because I've kind of seen the whole regime of it. You know, I had a close friend, Joseph Adai, who I'm still tight with, who was drafted in any first round pick, right. first year Super Bowl. You know, and I used to, I'll never forget texting him that year, like, oh, man, you're so screwed. Like, the rest of your career, it's like, how do you beat this? Your first-round pick, you know, you go to the Super Bowl year one with Peyton Manning and win it. Man. It's like, what else in the rest of your career is going to be exciting? I mean, it's just – it's that's an unbelievable way to start it. Joseph and die. Man, the LSU team was good. And then Indy, that run with uh, – it was like coming right off the edge years and all that stuff. Oh, so good. Um I need a scouting report on a running back then. I loved Cam Akers coming out of Florida State, and I just want to know if I'm smart to have loved him. I really think so. Man, he's smooth. He, he, uh, he just looks like he is built to, to run in some of these zone schemes and, and have the ball out in space. I mean, he just – you know, he just looks so confident with the football in his hand. We always joke around, like, sometimes, you know, just seeing him walking around, seeing him do drills and those kind of things, he just looks like a thousand-yard back. He really – I mean, he just carries that, you know, like that little just aura about him that you're like, oh, this guy's going to be a good football player. And so I'm, I'm excited to It's Florida State up. swag, man. Oh, yeah. That, you know, they all got some of that. That's for sure. But, uh, you know, he's, he's got it. And, he, and uh, it's going to be that work and, and that daily pursuit of finding the best way he can be him and and uh i think that uh, he's got that attitude you know i'll never forget after the first like two days of work i think he missed uh either a protection or just a play that was ran around and he kind of walked by the o-line and he stopped and he was like hey hey guys don't, hey don't be worrying about me i'm gonna t- i'm gonna get my stuff together i'm gonna start doing better you know like it was like it was cool that like this young running back thought hey i'm gonna stop by the o-line and make sure they know like i know who i got i'll, I'll get better at it you know to me, that, that means that he's got his head on in the right way and, and that he's uh, he's got a perspective that I want to be really good at what I do. And uh, he's got the talent. That is like my favorite relationship in sports is running back an O-line. Because it's like when you hear a story of like a famous artist or a rapper that came from like a tough situation, it's like, I was the little one, but the big guys protected me. Like, that's what it feels like to me, where it's like you look after him. And then if he explodes, there's like, thanks to my my offensive line family like i love that relationship it is it's 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 uh it's a neat one man it's it's fun over the years all the backs have had those relationships are tight and uh you know it's two things where like positionally you never around each other right like the o linemen are never around the running backs and the running backs are never really around the o linemen in drills or meetings or any of that kind of deal but when you get on the field you have to be synced up because every great running back every great o line is as good as their back and as good as their O line. So it's like those guys have to be in synchronization with the, with the play, how things are done, and we got to know the runner and how his style and the best way to you know produce and block and get on defenders. I mean, so that, that correlation of how well you have to be in sync, and then also just 
you know, there's little conversation between each other, you know, really, it really is. So it's, yeah. it's a neat relationship because it's just a respect level for one another. You had some years with Corey Dillon, right? No, I did not. He was gone. He was in New England. He was already in New England at that I time. I was Rudy, Rudy Johnson. Yeah, oh, Rudy Johnson man. was the back I got there. Rudy J. Yeah. Legend. Absolute legend. If he wasn't running with the football, he was sleeping. A thousand percent. This guy, just best napper on the planet. Just all the time? Oh, I'm just always out. You know, we get on a, he's one of those guys like on the plane, you know, it's like you literally put your bags overhead and like he's snoring. Like, it's like, wait a minute. Like, wait a minute. We've been on the plane for two seconds, Ruja. Like, out, cold. Clearly, after talking to you now for like a little bit of time, I can tell that if you want to do media after this, you absolutely can. And one of my piece of advice is that I would give to you is a lot of people that go into media afterwards thinks that they need to like break down football and like be like, I think that this guy is underrated and that guy is overrated. And eventually you upset people and it fucking sucks and no one wants to do that job anymore. But if you just share nuggets, like, you know who loved napping? Rudy Johnson. People are going to be like, dude, that's the best shit ever because that's the stuff that people care about. It, and so that would be my one piece of advice for you is your lane should be stuff like Rudy Johnson's napping. That's it. You know what? Give, give them the stuff they don't know about. You know, it's, uh, that's, that's the fun stuff, man. That's the, the stories. The, oh. the great storytellers are fantastic, man. I mean, think about it. Everybody's got somebody they're like, man, this guy can tell a story like nobody else. And those people, you just want to be around. You want to hear them talk. You want to tell them, hey, just let me tell you my day and you retell it back to me because you're that good at telling a story. That, that's, that's, the, that's the stuff that gets people. Do you have a really good story? If we're going to do this, we'll practice. Do you have a really good story about Ocho being your teammate, Chad Johnson? Well, I'll put it this way. The best story I can give you about Ocho is there's the three personalities, okay? So you got Ocho, the practice player. He's, he's a thousand percent. He wants every ball. He wants every rep. He'll go one-on-one until the sun sets. I mean, this guy wants to go 100 reps in a row, never get tired, right? But then you got Ocho, like, in his locker, like, sucking his thumb, eating McDonald's cheeseburgers and french fries, like, after practice. Or I'll never forget this. My rookie year in OTAs, the guy literally started crying after practice one day because they didn't throw him enough passes. And he's, like, begging Marvin, Coach Lewis, can we please just, like, can we extend practice 30 more minutes, like, Please, coach. And he's like, literally, tears are going to like, I didn't, nobody gave me the ball. Like, I didn't get to touch the ball. Like, he's literally that upset that he wow. didn't get the football that day. And I mean, what a tremendous personality he was. He was a fun teammate. I mean, one of the most fun, like, when you're around Chad, you don't even think about the fact that this is a physical football game or that's tough because you're like, this dude's having so much fun and makes just every moment so entertaining that he's one of those guys I'll never forget playing with. Oh. I, I think that there's a legit case to argue for him as a Hall of Famer. And I think that the fact that he wore that gold jacket during the celebration off year with Terrell Owens upset people to where that's never going to happen. But like there was a really long stretch where he was a top three wide receiver in the NFL every year. And those Bengals offenses were insanely productive. I really do think so. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. You think about the, the the ripping of the Ocho Cinco nameplate. I mean, the things he would come up with every week. And the thing about him was it wasn't post him having 
and success that he was talking. He would literally get out his, do you remember his board? He would talk about the DB, like he'd have the DB's name and he'd be like, I'm playing so-and-so this week. And then he'd come in on Monday afterwards and be like, I had 10 catches, 130 yards, touchdown, you know, whatever. And then he's mailing them like pictures of him or, you know, copies of his jersey, you know, just all the stuff. Remember he sent the Cleveland Browns like an industrial size case of like uh, Pepto-Bismol because he knew that he was keeping them up late. Yeah, and he sent. Uh, I think it was either the Falcons. Or the, I think it was the Falcons or Steelers. He sent the back half of his jersey because that was all they were going to watch all day. He like cut out jerseys and mailed an entire box of the back half of his jersey. I mean, the stuff he came up with, like he let people know, hey, on Sunday, press me, do whatever you want. I'm I'm going to get after you. And and, and he still went and did it. And to me, that's uh, you got to be pretty special to be able to do that. To call your shot, like that's what I'm waiting for. Uh, man, I would love if there was one time that you looked across and you saw like a rookie and you were feeling really confident. Did you like the movie The Longest Yard, the original? Oh, yeah, yeah, the original. Yes, for sure. When he he uh, clotheslines the guy and he goes, I think I broke his fucking neck. Yeah, exactly. Calling your shot. I always say this, like, you know, like stackers, right? They, get a, they, get, they win one time a game, they get to dance, right? Like, it's like, what if an O lineman like fired off dances for every pass play they got their block? Like it's like we I don't even know what you'd have to be able to have a celebration for all those. But I mean, maybe we need something. Maybe we need just like a universal every time you get your block, you just you know there's some kind of celebration for O line. Or like every time you guys had a snap where there wasn't a sack or a pressure, you guys all five offensive linemen went and like yeah, released exactly. arrows, yeah. and it's like nothing. Oh yeah, yeah, just. Fired one off, you know, Sean Merriman style. Yeah. Uh, no, I do. What I think, though, is like if you came up to the line, I would wonder how deep your voice could get and just point at a young pass rusher and be like, you're dead. And like just see how they react. Like just go longest yard on them. Exactly. That, that'd be along the lines of don't look at them. You know, I had Willie Anderson, we talked about him earlier. One of my greatest stories of Willie, he used to always say when he faced Javon Curse or Julius Peppers and these guys or even Reggie White back in the day, his biggest tip, I'm like, you know, I'm a rookie. I'm listening to Big Willie. It's like, man, this guy's going to give me a tip, right? Like scream at him, look mean, something, I don't know. I have all your techniques, all these things. He's like, hey, when you break the huddle, just never look up. And I'm like, what? That's my tip? And he's like, yeah. He's like, if you look at those guys, there's no chance you'll block them. Wow. He's like, they're, he's like Javon Curse. He's a freaking nature. You look at that guy's body, you're gonna go. You know what? I can't block this guy. You got no chance. He's like, so what I did? He's like, I just never look at him. I'd break the huddle. I'd put my hand in the ground. Like I just never look up until I blocked him. And that way, the only time I ever looked at him is while I was blocking him. I wasn't gonna look at him before. I'm like, all right, you know, hey. For a rookie, I'll take it. You know, anything makes makes me less nervous. Yeah, I'm like, this is yeah, this is the all world. You know, all Hall of Fame right tackle tip. Don't look at him in the huddle. Seems pretty simple. And did you do that? Uh, I did it when I faced Julius Peppers, just because I was a rookie. That was my first NFL start at left tackle, and uh, I was like, you know what? And at that time, I mean, that Panthers D line was uh, pretty full. Mike Rucker. Chris, Chris Jenkins. Jenkins. I mean, Chris Jenkins was a man child back then. And and uh, watching those guys, it was like when Chris Jenkins and Julius Peppers lined up beside each other, you're like, man, I hope this is a three-step drop. That's, mm. You know what? I hope this ball's getting out real fast. Keep the head down when facing Julius Peppers. I love that. Yeah, like it's – I'll end it here. It's like what Shaq said to me 
where he said he would always before the game, when they were lined up for the national anthem, he would look dead across in each of their eyes and he would try to get each of them to look away from him. And then he would turn. He said, D Wade told me, he said one time they're getting ready to face some team like, like a young Pistons team in the playoffs or something. And uh, they all looked away. And D Wade said, Shaq looked at him and said, they're fucked. And then walked away and they beat him by like 25. But it, like, there's something about someone looking away that like you kind of beat them even before the game starts. Yeah, you make them question just a little bit. Man, Andrew, it's been a pleasure. I hope the family is healthy. I hope everybody is safe. And I hope you guys kick ass this season. Uh, pleasure talking to you, man. Hey, you too, man. I appreciate it. And that was Andrew Whitworth. Uh, David, can you chime in really quick? What, do you know when this episode is coming out? Give me one second. I'm looking up the schedule. <laughs> Not to put you on the spot. No, you're good. It's coming out September 2nd. September 2nd. Okay. Let me just check something really quick. This delay right here is because I'm getting information on the LFGL, the Lefko Fantasy Gridiron League. So I just wanted to make sure. Okay. This will be after the draft. So I hope you guys drafted great. Um, I'm just going to say this. Uh, Andrew Whitworth, what a gem. More proof to my theory that I enjoy interviewing veterans a lot more than rookies because they can have stories like facing Julius Peppers in your first snap and Ocho Cinco crying in practice to Marvin Lewis because he needs more balls and he's sucking his freaking thumb. Um, I, I'll say that from an analysis of talking to him that I love the tidbit on the interior offensive line. If you guys know me, I was very against the Rams last year, and I believe that I was proven right. And the main reason was I did not trust their interior offensive line. It got steamrolled. They had injuries, but there is something to after that year, regressing to the mean. I, I am not saying that injuries go by that, but you have to imagine if you're really injured, you'll be somewhat less injured the next year. But more importantly, in a year where depth is so important, to have a two deep with serious game reps last year is a big deal. Um, and as we talked about with Peter Schrager, I think it's a big deal that they have a coach that is forward thinking and I trust smart coaches like Sean McVay. Either way, great talking to Mr. Whitworth. And um, man, that was fun. I'm the L-E-F-A-O-E man. David Ingber, for David Ingber, putting him on the spot. The Celtics took on the <laughs> they took on the Sixers. They beat them for nothing. By the time you're listening to this podcast, we could be out of the playoffs, but I'm I'm hoping for a big one against the Raps. And I lost twenty bucks to Ingber because of that. All right, see you guys later.